0: But we're kind of ending our, our summer series today, and if you've been with us in, in Hebrews, what we've been talking about is who Jesus is, uh, why Jesus is important, why he's not only the Son of God, but all these different titles that are found in the book of Hebrews. We've looked at them all, and today we come to Hebrews 12, and we get a talk about endurance today. Endurance. As Christians, And in the New Testament, the call to endurance as Christ followers, you can't miss it. You can't miss that we are all called to endure, that it's not just an assignment, like an extra credit assignment uh, for some Christians, but it applies to us all. We're all called to endure in Christ. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 10, he, he, uh, he speaks a line almost in passing that like, wakes me up that keeps me up at night Um, but there's this basically Jesus is talking in Matthew 10 about his followers experiencing persecution um, Christians being sent to prison families dividing people dying for their faith and he says in verse 22 but the one who endures to the end will be saved what that means is endurance is a requirement of all disciples we are called to endure and that's why we're talking about it today and i feel like you know we've so if you look at the last three years for us uh since that time out at the park three years ago i feel like i've talked a lot about endurance <laughs> you know we were we church planted then we had a pandemic thing after thing after thing and i feel like every time i read the bible all i see is endure 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 and so i'm sorry if that's like been a common theme i just want you to know it's not you it's me okay <laughs> like i actually needed to see that word again and again and again endure endure i'm with you endure endure so if you're like man he's talking about this again it's it's in there okay but but it has <laughs> spoken to me uh, greatly and because uh, because my thought when we planted this church three years ago was very different than than the reality uh, of of the journey that we've been on. In my mind, I thought God would instantly bless our efforts like we would give an inch and things would just blow up. Right. And, uh, and and God, what I've realized in this journey is like God never called us to be this huge, gigantic church. He didn't call us to be that. He didn't call us to blow it up. What what did he call us to? He called us to to be local, to make disciples, and and to build up his church here in Blaine. And that's what we're doing. And that's the, the journey we're on. And so my prayer over the last three years has been just, God, help me be faithful to what you want me to do, to what you want us to do. Whatever you want us to do, I'm here for. Even if it doesn't look like the typical Church, Right? Or the typical story. There is no typical church today. You need to know that. Like, it's things have changed. And so God has sort of been giving me this vision of, like, hey, let's be a church that builds each other up, but also, like, loves our neighbors really well. And is faithful to what God called us to do to our neighbors, to our community, to love, and to support. And so in the middle of all the changes, I've actually come to Hebrews 12 a lot. Because it's that encouraging. It also bugs me, but it's also <laughs> encouraging. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but my hope, my prayer is that it might bother you and encourage you too. That it might bug you a little bit, but also encourage you. And so today we're going to ask this question. How do we correctly understand our call to endure? It's really important that we see what God is calling us to, to do when he calls us to endure that that's not a cheap call that, that endurance isn't just always getting what you want it's not that the world does everything the right way but it's much deeper than that it's much more personal and so we're going to look at hebrews 12 starting in verse 1 today and and what's cool about hebrews 12 is that it answers the questions it talks about how we endure it talks about why we endure and it actually describes what endurance looks like. So it's a great passage, um, and we're going to start today in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And we'll stop there. So what you need to know is that this chapter comes right after what's called the Hall of Faith uh, in the in chapter 11, where um, the author of Hebrews goes down example after example after example of person in the Old Testament whose faith led to action. That, that in the Old Testament, the people that they list, um, everyone proved their faith through action. They took steps out. They trusted God with all of their life, and they did something they wouldn't have normally done. And so, um, what he so Hebrews 11 sets up Hebrews 12 by giving us an example of living by faith getting uncomfortable for God and then it says because it, it, and it includes all of them when it says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses like there are a lot of people in the past and in the present That we can lean on we can look to and say we like they had faith and I want to model my life after those people We've got a lot of great examples in scripture and actually that's what I get when I I read the Old Testament is encouragement Because we're not talking about um, Perfect people We're talking about flawed people Doing hard things for God Right in their weakness and God coming through, and it's real, and they're not perfect. David was not a perfect person, but yet he was known as a man after God's own heart. And so when I read the Old Testament, I'm encouraged by others' struggles as well as their victories. As well as their victories. And then this verse brings it down to the primary example of who we should follow: Jesus, right? It calls, it says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the why, the why we must endure. And, or, sorry, Jesus is the how we endure. Jesus is the how. He, Hebrews first gives us the picture of how. How is it really mainly that we endure, we look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith that there's enough strength in Jesus that there's enough life in Jesus and there, th- that we could actually Endure and I'll say this the words founder and perfecter they matter a lot The, the fact that Jesus was both a founder and perfecter they matter a lot founders matter and I just want to give you an example Um, We have founding fathers in our country, right? We have founding fathers. If somebody asked you what it meant to be an American, um, most of you would quote maybe from the Declaration of Independence. Um, You know the line, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I don't don't have this memorized. I'm reading it. Um, (laughs) That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness now if somebody asked you what it means to be an American you'd probably pull from those words right like rights liberty equality and those matter those words matter a lot and um, but w- what we see is there are founders and then there are also perfectors and I want to give the give you the example of Martin Luther King Jr. he wasn't a founder but he was a perfector. When Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech in 1963, he wasn't saying he wasn't saying anything outside of the founders' vision. What he was saying was that um, was that we want that for all people. He appealed to the vision of the founders. He said this in his speech. He said, "We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity in this nation." so we have come to cash this check a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice so he appeals to the founders vision as a, as a perfecter as like we we you know they didn't get it all right but we can get it right a new vision with more people included and it doesn't matter if it's a nation a company a nonprofit there are founders and there are perfectors, but usually they're not the same person. Usually they're not the same person. And so Hebrews makes this bold claim that Jesus is both the founder and perfecter of our faith, that he's the whole package, that everything um, that, that we need is found in Jesus. Jesus both ushered in the kingdom of God and shows us how to live in it. He is everything we need in order to live a redeemed life. It's enough to follow him alone. And so Hebrews says if you want to endure this life as a Christian, look to Christ. Look to what he did. Look to who he is. Have an active relationship with him. Look at Jesus who endured the pain and torture of the cross for the joy of reuniting his children with God. Look to Jesus who despised his own shame for the glory that was yet to come. He was willing to get very, very low, very, very humble. If you follow religious movements throughout history, you see that its leaders usually gain personally out of what they're doing, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus didn't seek control. Um, Jesus didn't seek power or money in his life. He gave all of those away. He gave all of those away. He gave up everything for the people that he was trying to reach. He was willing to even suffer and die on a cross so that we could experience life, giving every last breath up uh, for, for us and for the will of God. And so likewise, he calls us to be willing to give up, to be willing to um, walk and trust him, holding on to him, even when life doesn't make sense. And to not just live for money, for power, for, f- for fame, for pleasure. Instead, come and die with him. Jesus called us to die to ourselves daily. And when he asks us that, it's not something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And so, if we're going to keep the faith even when we're hurt, when we're wounded, we have to keep looking to Jesus. We have to keep leaning on his peace, his Life And Hebrews says to run this race that we're all on, all called to with endurance. So it tells you that your faith, it's not a one-time decision. It really is a marathon that we're all on. To run a long time is a, is a marathon, right? And so we it's a race that we run. We don't retire from uh, this side of, of heaven. This word endurance in the Greek, it literally means to remain with. It's like to remain in the race. To keep running no matter what happens see we have a choice in our lives that we can remain in the race or we can desert we can leave the race and the scary thing is the scary thing to me is that to 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 leave a race all you have to do is stop right all you have to do is stop running That's all you have to do to leave a race. Running isn't passive, it's active. And so what that means is if we're going to to remain in this race with Jesus, it's going to take work. Don't stop running. We see, if you read the Gospels, we see people stop running quite a bit. We see people, uh, a lot of people, huge crowds follow Jesus in the beginning when he's turning water into wine, feeding the 5,000 but then, when he starts talking about the cost of following him, taking up your cross, um, drinking his blood and eating his flesh, symbolizing communion, right? Like, people are like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I, I, this is too much. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to stop following, stop showing up. And this is true today. Some of us, when life gets tough, we will stop, we'll stop running. And it's, It could be a hard stop or a slow fade, but the encouragement here is to keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking. Don't don't look at the waves around you, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the promise of Scripture is that Jesus is everything that you need. Everything that you need. Here's Hebrews 12. It goes from the how, looking to Jesus, and it moves to the why. And I don't know about you, but I'm more of a why person than a how person. So this definitely speaks uh, to me. Look at verse 4. It says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do (coughs) do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, that's what I'm saying. This bothers me and encourages me all at the same time like when you read this when you're like having a hard day it doesn't like make it feel better but it is important because here we we start getting to God's purpose in our endurance when he says that you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood it means that no one no one's killed you for your faith you haven't died for your faith so keep going keep in the race as long as you're still alive keep doing what God has called you to do, I know of a pastor whose conviction, strong conviction, was that every time he prayed, whether it was in a room or at a restaurant, he would kneel. He would kneel, and just in this sign of uh, of uh, honor to God, the staff meetings of his church, he would pray on his knees. And uh, when he got old, he got really, really bad arthritis, but he still kneeled. He would have people help him to the floor, and help him back up, because that was his conviction. That was his conviction that he would keep praying no matter how hard it hurt. He would praise and honor God in this way that he felt called to worship. It's just a symbol, like, we don't ever spiritually retire. We don't ever leave the race this side of heaven. And what you see in this word discipline is not punishment, but you see God's love for you. You see God's love for you. It's the why. It's for discipline that you have to endure. And that word does not mean punishment. It literally means the rearing of a child. God is growing us up. God is committed to growing us up, to raise you to become a godly man or woman that that looks and loves like Jesus. And like any good parents, we, <laughs> we set boundaries for our kids, right? We set boundaries for our kids. We don't always give our kids what they want, but what they need. And that's often what God does for us. And this isn't to say that everything we experience in life is God's discipline, but a lot of it is. And we also know that with our, we make mistakes as parents, but God never makes mistakes with us. You know, God never loses it on us. God is always in control. He is a perfect father motivated by a perfect and patient love. And what God does is he allows the struggle in our life to shape us more into the image of Christ. He allows us to become more like Christ, to have deeper fellowship with God, that our pain is always an opportunity to grow in Christ. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom, who he has given us. So what Paul is saying is endurance is a springboard to character, to hope, to love, to the deep things of God. That, that endurance is this um, practical way that we grow. And he isn't making light of our sufferings or anything like that. That's not the point. But, but even in suffering... God is building something in us and through us. And so we can take comfort that if when we suffer in Christ, it's not going to waste, it's making us stronger. It's bringing glory to God. And and here's my takeaway for today, is that through our suffering, God creates depth in his children. That we grow deeper in our faith and deeper in Christ when we cling to him In suffering, when we can praise God in the tough times as well as the good times. And just as a general statement, I know, like in our world right now, we're not in good times, (laughs) you know, and and uh, we we are in a situation where we can be angry, we can be afraid, we can be frustrated um, with life. But are we showing? are we showing the world that jesus is greater than our circumstances greater uh that is more um more amazing than than anything the world can offer are we showing the world a church that is really growing in character that our endurance is producing character because if if we're building character then we can speak to the world um, in ancient Greece, they said if you were a good communicator, you had three things. Uh, you had um, Lagos, lo- Pathos, and Ethos. Those were like the three traits of a great communicator. Um, Lagos is what you're saying logical, right? Does it make sense? Pathos was, are you speaking to the heart? Are you speaking to my heart? And then Ethos was, are you someone worth listening to? And I always think that last one, like I I feel like there's a lot of people I listen to who have great logic, they have great uh, charisma, but are they someone worth (laughs) listening to? Is their life, does their life back up what they say? Um, When I was 20, a lot of you guys know, I did a life-changing trip in London and I was basically doing street evangelism for six days a week, for nine straight weeks. It was exhausting and challenging and terrifying and fun too Um, but I was talking with people from all over the world London is an incredibly diverse city and I remember one day I was speaking to a group or it wasn't I was just in conversation with a group of young Muslim men we were talking about Jesus and and obviously like it was I was not really connecting with them, we're just two, kind of two different. But a few minutes later, I watched as a Christian man from Iran uh, was speaking to these guys about Christ with tears coming down his eyes. And I just remember, like, why? why? And, and, and you, could tell, you could tell that they were clued in. And I know why they were clued in, because there was something deeper in him than there was in me. At 20 years old, you could tell that this man was sharing his faith from a place where he's experienced persecution and pressure, and and he's sharing a, a compelling faith. And most of us um, m- have probably never experienced that amount of pressure and uh, and and uh, persecution for our faith. But what if we did? What if we did? What if we did experience that amount of pressure? Uh, f- Would that form us more into Christ? Would that build our character? Or would we crumble? Would we stop in the race? And that's our choice when we come into difficult situations. We can grow. We can allow God to work on us. Or we can stop. But through our suffering, God creates depth in us. And so that's the why. That's the why. God wants us to be deep people, fully alive in him. And that's not that we'd just be in a point of endless suffering, but one day we look forward to a day where we'll be with God forever in a place of joy and hope and life and love where he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes, where we'll be with the founder and perfecter of our faith face to face. And so it goes from The how of endurance to the why of endurance, and now it gets to the what. What does it look like to endure? And here's verse 12. It says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. So as we close today, I just want us to get a picture of what it looks like to endure, how Scripture lays it out. So the first reason we need endurance is fatigue fatigue he says lift up your drooping hands we get fatigued in our faith right like I don't know about you like I've been feeling pretty fatigued through this whole 18 months and so this idea of lift up your drooping hands how do you accomplish that it is a command to action not to let fatigue take us out but does that mean we just we just keep keep going doing ignoring the pain no we also need to remember the principle of rest and sabbath and not not like resting like a checkout type of rest not taking a vacation from our problems type of rest but leaning on jesus finding our rest in jesus are are, are the ways that we're resting is that helping us grow closer to him is it helping recharge us in him or or is it not because the problem with a lot of us today might not be um might not be that that we're resting but how we're resting are we resting in ways that nourish us and bring us closer to jesus so there's fatigue the next reason we need endurance is fear the fear is is when he says strengthen your weak knees weak knees it kind of means the same thing back then as it does now that phrase weak actually means paralyzed and fear paralyzes us right like, when we experience fear, like, if, if you watch the news and you're afraid, whatever, uh, you know, whatever comes on your screen causes fear, it's not good. Like, we're not supposed to be paralyzed, because if you're paralyzed, you can't run, right? If we're running this race of faith and fear causes us to freeze, like, <laughs> we need to unfreeze, right? We need to strengthen our weak knees in Christ, so I'd ask you today, what is, what is causing you fear? What is causing you fear? And is, is Jesus enough to help you keep going? Because Jesus, looking to him, it allows us to, to run through our fears. All right, and then going down a bit, the last one is why do we need endurance? It says this, it says, strive for peace with everyone. Um, I'm going to say friction with others is that sometimes we need endurance because we experience uh, conflict and friction with others because you know what we're human we're not perfect and I'll tell I'll just say as I see it there's nothing more important over the last well there is I'll say this it's vitally important that we are unified today right that the church is unified that God's family is united and if we're elevating ourselves and and other and the needs our needs above others, then that often creates friction in the church. Or if we're always right, or if um, w- you know we want to be in charge, like a divided church doesn't experience the life that God intends it to experience. So it says, strive for peace with everyone. Notice it says strive for peace. Sometimes you won't experience peace with everyone. <laughs> so there's that's good, right? But work on it. Strive for it, right? The last reason you need to endure, it's temptation. He talks about the root of bitterness. He talks about sexual immorality. No matter how strong you are, there's always an undercurrent of temptation that can take you out, that can cause you to go off track. In the beginning of this passage, he says to throw it off. Whatever that thing is, throw it off. Whatever that temptation is, whatever the addiction is, whatever the bad habit, gossip, whatever, throw it off so that you can run with endurance. So that we can run with endurance and we can look to Jesus, the author, founder, and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, I know uh, Lord, I know in a, in a heavy season, in a, in a difficult season, God, it can be challenging, God, to listen to a message about endurance, Lord. And I, like I said, I feel like we've talked about it a lot. But Jesus, you do good things in hard times. You do good things in, in difficult spaces. And we don't see, God, and, and we have trouble trusting sometimes, but we can trust Savior that was willing to bleed for us so that we could be reconciled. That God, this life is not all there is. It's not the be-all and end-all. We have a hope that looks to eternity blessed in your presence in a new heaven, in a new earth. We have a hope beyond hope. God, we have so much to look forward to. And a powerful God that when we see how big and how mighty and how great you are, it makes our race a little easier, it makes our running a little easier. And so, Jesus, I don't know where everyone's at this morning. I don't know what's on everyone's shoulders this morning, the burdens that they're running with. But, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to look to you, That you would ease our burden. That you would lighten our load. That you would carry it for us. Jesus, you are enough. Lord, you are enough on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday all throughout the week. Jesus, help us to look to you in every circumstance. There's so many ways we could get distracted. There's so many things we could turn to, or we could just get tired. But Lord, I pray for spiritual strength.